listening to Digital Now, an original business and technology podcast by Logic 2020. I'm your host, Matt Treville. Each episode, I'll be interviewing a new expert to learn more about industry trends, fascinating new tech, shifting customer expectations, and the steps every business can take to stay ahead. Today, I have with me a very special guest, Eric Nelson, who's our consulting director at Logic 2020 and leads some of the largest sales and marketing organizations and clients through their digital transformation. Eric has a nine-year consulting background, and this year was awarded 35 Under 35 for Consultant Magazine's Rising Star of the Profession in the Leadership category. Welcome, Eric. How are you? Uh, I'm good, Matt. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Uh, You know, it's always a little awkward to hear yourself talked about and have people say nice things about you. But um, if you want to spend the rest of the conversation just (laughs) about me, I'm I'm cool with that. Well, I'm sure it's going to come out at some point because you're a great bloke. All right, let's just get that out in the air right now. Well, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> That's, there's no better way to make a guest uncomfortable than to overcomplicate, uh, overcompliment when you start, right? So uh, how about we get right into it? Because I know you're a, you're a busy man. Hit me, hit me with your best shot. So, you know, we're, we're going to talk about digital transformation today. So my first question is very simply, you know, what are people referring to when they use the term digital transformation? Like, and in general, how is it being used in the digital marketing space today? You know, it's it's funny, right? Because talking to an Australian about this, because we joke a lot, you know, about how oftentimes it feels like we're speaking different languages. You know, some <laughs> some word that I say growing up in Ohio versus the way you said it and what it means to you growing up in Australia. You know, weird thing, like digital transformation is a bit like that as a phrase. Every company, every place, there, there's a hundred different memes I'm sure you can find online about how it's got a slightly different definition to everybody. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's part of the problem. The digital part gets emphasized and the transformation part gets left off. So when we in Logic 2020 and, and the customers that we try to work with, it's like you can't, it's not a bolt on. It's not like let's add some digital marketing technology or let's add some technology to something. And, and technology goes in, it's about becoming a digital business with digital processes and teams and organization structures that support that. In kind of kicking this conversation off or, or thinking about it, if you're saying like digital transformation for marketing, and you're thinking of it as a content management system, or we're going to put in a marketing automation system, and then we're going to call it a day. Those projects are destined to fail because they're not mm-hmm. actually doing transformation. They're yeah. doing digital, and and it requires both of those words. So, Okay, so before we dive deeper, um, what are we seeing in the market right now? What are some of the ways digital transformation is changing digital marketing? a loaded question in this 2020 <laughs> yeah like what's changed i mean what hasn't changed i had to make this hard for you straight away you know that right uh sure it's uh, what a nutty year february 80 percent, 90 percent of work was done face to face in meetings now flipped 80 percent mm-hmm. of the work is done vir- virtually no one's traveling to meetings buying patterns that were once all in person in brick and mortar stores now done all virtual mm-hmm. um, you know it's 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 overwhelming <laughs> those changes are going to stick not all of them probably not to the extreme but the little things like 
a lot of people were like, ah, I actually don't really like going to the grocery store. That was pretty nice to be able to to buy, pick out the stuff I wanted online and then just have it picked up. Or I, I really like being able to buy things online and try them on at home. And then other people I talked to are like, gosh, I can't wait to go into a store and try something mm-hmm. on again. It's going to take a little while to shake out, but the flexibility by having a really good, strong um, technology backbone and a digital backbone to see when those things are changing and be able to react to them and and think through different workflows and think through different tools is going to be the challenge that we as consulting our customers and clients have going forward. And probably not overly insightful that we're not really going to know how how all of these changes exist, but that's kind of the point too, right? Yeah, exactly. Build an infrastructure and, and a business yeah. that is adaptable to these things and not so stuck or, or not stuck on a channel or stuck on a mode where you can't respond because we've seen what happens when you can't. Exactly. Yeah. Well, actually, on that note, let's sort of take a look back, right? So unlike sort of old marketing, such as billboards and ads, digital media is interactive, giving people more choice over sort of what they consume, how they consume it and who they share it with. So how can digital transformation help with this new interactive relationship between organizations and consumers? I hope that wasn't too much of a Longly worded question. So I have a pet peeve and I'm going to throw this pet peeve at you because you asked the question. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, there there is a, a trend and a tendency unique to marketing, it feels like in many ways, to one, follow the shiny thing and to proclaim that the old thing is dead. I, I remember, you know, before I worked at, at Logic, I worked in, in media and advertising and every two months, yeah. the, the TV is dead. I'm yeah. pretty sure I watched TV last night. <laughs> Even this year, right? So so out of home, Billboard took a beating mm-hmm. because guess what? We were all at home. <laughs> but exactly, yeah. talking about a 200 year old form of media mm-hmm. that we still look at every day. You know, this is where... Uh, treating digital as a new thing or as a specialization is as false as saying that TV is going to be dead or billboards are going to be dead. And it's about tooling your business to react to your customer set and enabling it to be flexible and grow from there. That means technology as an enabler to help you do better marketing across all these channels, be them digital, traditional, or anything else? Can you find better data about your customers' movements and trends and better messaging that takes them from one place to the other? Continuing to mix the art of great copywriting that is truly an art and the talent of people who can come up with brilliant advertising and brand campaigns like that can never be replaced, but still can be helped and supported by really good data and customer trends and and building a customer experience that meets a customer where they are and delights them. And that's really where the, the DNA and brand has to be unique. People that we've worked with, right? Like Microsoft a few years ago did a huge rollout creating these beautiful, wonderful Microsoft stores, beautiful showcases of Xbox, in-store support. Uh, guess what happened during the pandemic? Close them all. Because it, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't Microsoft. 
right? Microsoft mm-hmm. was the team's the connectivity mm-hmm. company. It was the the efficiency in doing business, the ability to scale. It, it's that thing, which is digital runs both businesses and their mm-hmm. digital transformation needs and, and ability to think of it in both places. But you've got to be true to who you are. Another shift that we've seen with customer expectations is the need for targeted and personalized messaging. You know, what's the importance of targeting and personalization and how can digital transformation help tackle this? Digital is the only way to do personalization. I mean, you can do targeting. Uh, Yeah, we've had demographics, psychographics, research in in media and advertising and and custom outreach like that for any number of years. But if you want to do dynamic personalization based off of browsing history, that's all digital, all digital first. In thinking about that, there's customer demands and and how other companies have raised the bar on on the customer experience to say, I'm expecting personalization. You know, you think of the Amazon experience, which is, I look at the Amazon homepage and I see ten products that that relate to my search history, that relate to the music that I like, the books that I like to read, the recommendation that's there, and then the experience imperative that. So many smaller businesses have tried to catch up to this past year even where it's like, you know, I go on Amazon and I can have anything delivered to my house within two days, let yeah. alone so many things that are same day. That's kind of maybe I think where, where digital transformation becomes more real because you, you want to really talk about what that means to do even just fulfilling an order on the same day. The the purchasing system, the content management system to serve the right thing, order fulfillment, and how all those different systems across all those different technology stacks have to talk to each other in the right way mm-hmm. and feed data back. When we talk about it in marketing, it's connection to a customer experience that is, I know you bought something, I know you came back. Are, are there upsell things that we can do? So, you know, they're, they're huge impacts that ripple not only from the front end, of what you see on that first, like you bought this, you might be interested in this, to how that ripples through the other pieces of the business. But when those things start to erode the experience or they're they're off, you you lose some of that magic. You lose some yeah. of that higher end brand experience, you know. Mm-hmm. So so you you have to kind of walk this line a little bit of of not doing too much, you know, because you definitely don't want to go down the road of being creepy. And and you also kind of want to show that that serendipity of experience. You know, we all fall in love with that you know, experience where it's like, I looked at this pair of shoes and now I can show you three jackets that match. But boy, you want to talk about some some fun back end management to like, yeah, is this item in stock? Do these colors actually match? And 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 um, that's also why, you know, to a certain extent, some of that in-store experience will never change because the the fun of like going into a store and I always say like that that record store experience, right, where it's like yeah. you go in and, and you hear some funk band from 1972 and it's no, like, you can feel it when you walk in the room. Right. Like that's part of the magic of like what what Spotify and Amazon and everybody else has to do is like, how do I sprinkle in some of these random things that are a little bit off that maybe I can get you walking down a slightly different path that (laughs) then I can hook you in not only with the experience, but I expose you to new types of products and new types of things that you might not have thought of buying from us before in the past. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, can I ask you just a quick follow-up question on that one? When I Google something, look at Amazon, and then in my Instagram or Facebook or whatever, it pops up an ad for that product, but I've already bought it. Can we tell the algorithms that I already bought it? Because I still get ads for things I've already purchased months ago. And that's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> it's such a good example of of that like effective over-personalization and also um, not really being a digitally transformed organization that's like yeah. a i bought i bought a pixel tracker that showed you that i went here and so now that hooks up to my um ad buying platform to buy ads and serve you those ads but it never actually hooked back together to my profile engine to my experience engine to show that yeah. like you converted on the goal and you went through that i mean it's like I get it. We've all been in those situations as marketers, right? Like that that remarketing, when you look at the ROI on remarketing is is huge. Like it's a no-brainer to be doing it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, that's like you're also missing such a cool opportunity to like structure right and tag it right where it's like now let's look at, you know, because if you bought this one thing, how do I move you to the next thing? Because you've already shown that you're uh, you're somebody who who might be interested in, you know, as I sit here in my sounder scarf, right? Like the number of times I've looked and it's like, here's 10 more sounder scarves. And I'm like, the last yeah. thing I'm allowed to buy is more sounder scarves. But, you know, hit me with a golf shirt or a polo shirt or a hat <laughs> or something else, right? Because you put a cool sounders logo on it. I'm probably a sucker for it. Yeah. Okay. So on the same vein of, of the uh, of the customer and sort of a lack of patience, right? Um, I'm one of them. Most people... Um, you know, aren't as patient as they were. So it's important for us to keep up with growing demands and, and automation is one way businesses are seeing increased agility um, through rising costs. Could you talk a little bit more about um, automation and the effect it has in, in digital marketing space? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the short answer that everybody kind of comes back to is is where does marketing automation play? Um, and And even the situations that we were just talking about, which is, how do I do remarketing, retargeting? How do I, you know, uh, automated ad buying, automated profiling, database structure, and things like that? As a consulting company, and, and what we look at that's maybe a little bit different is also the automation that happens on the support side, on the order fulfillment side, because your your brand that you work so hard to build and curate doesn't just end, you know, in the 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 content and the advertising and the media and the experience that way. It's it's the experience of doing business with you. And if I that's that's part of what we have to the you know, the, the challenge for marketers in in having these conversations is your customer support sucks. It doesn't matter how good your marketing is. Yeah. We're buying from you again. And this echo yeah. that I come back to is that you know your digital transformation doesn't start and stop with one piece of technology it's about the connection and flow between the two and that's really where you need all this automation piece can help so much because you know you can build really really interesting routing models on on support engines based off of purchase history uh, based off of customer lifetime value of how you route a customer to a different um, channel and engine and, and you know you can even do then kind of fun marketing campaigns particularly if you're like a direct consumer brand where you have 
limited inventory and that's kind of baked into your your model right like if you have limited inventory you can actually drive demand based off of how limited your inventory is you know so i don't i don't want to lose sight of the challenge of, of in and of itself of like creating your first like automated marketing campaign but don't forget about what happens when somebody clicks through and clicks yeah. on the buy button because that experience matters too Okay. What about technology? Is, um, you know, are there technologies and tools that you're currently using that you would recommend as essential for businesses? What I think is cool about MarTech is the ecosystem is so diverse. You know, it, it's, it's huge how big you can make it, but it can also be small. Um, and, and so I think you have to kind of uh, spend the time thinking of like what a future architecture is and should be the two most important things um the the one that is obvious in this whole thing is what's your data platform because mm. if there if one system isn't talking to the other and the apis aren't working together and you're not sharing data you're, you, it's way too easy to get focused on a data point and miss the forest and stare at a tree. I, I remember seeing in, in the early days of, of search. It's such an easy metric to follow when you see that click to buy. And the attribution would be so quick to say like, oh, this person clicked on this search ad. So, you know, there's my ROI and off it goes. And so much budget got shifted towards search and totally missed the rest of the, the buying funnel, totally missed the rest of the journey. Like, how did somebody know to search for something? How mm -hmm. did somebody know to click on your ad versus the two ads below it? How do you build the brand equity? How do you do everything else that comes into it? And, and that data platform that allows you to do those analyses, that allow you to connect the experience as a customer moves from different places, you know, your site to your social media pages to your other places and, and see what some of those journeys and things look like. Uh, that's one, one thing. Um, the other thing to go off in a very other different direction is um, the productivity tools. As we've seen this year, right? Like your marketing organization and your teams, we're all working distributed. We're all working asynchronously. Um, so they're really cool and interesting tools that are being built on helping content development in a way that keeps brand standards high, um, that creates a, like, how do you create a center of excellence um, and be able to work at a little better scale? So- Well, mate, listen, I wanna, I wanna talk to you, I wanna continue on this. I know you answered a little bit, but I wanna dive a little deeper here. Cause so at Logic, we always say that, you know, technology is an enabler, right? But processes and governance ensure that technology, you know, is doing what it should do. So can you elaborate on like why data governance is so important? Yeah, and, and I think you know, to, to my earlier points around building out your data platform and everything else, right? When you're thinking of a really, really good data platform that allows you to stitch together data from your entire customer journey, right? So you're going to have web analytics, maybe in Adobe or Google or something else like that. You're going to have search data coming in from Google, from Bing, from somebody else. You're going to have third-party stuff from your CDP, uh, maybe that you bought. You're going to have data from your customer backend, and it could be your CRM system, 
uh, order fulfillment system. You're going to have inventory data. Um, you're going to have uh, media and display purchase data on people who saw ads, didn't click through, view through data, other things like that. that that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that that data governance is about building yourself a, a, a dictionary and an encyclopedia. So as you're looking at these 35, 40 different places and actually trying to connect them all together, it makes sense. You know, it's about building a tag management layer. It's about building a taxonomy layer. It's about building a structure so that you're not trying to sit there and recreate the wheel every time and trying to figure out, like, you know, yeah. you have to find a way for these systems and for this data to, to coincide and coexist. You know, all the personalization engines, right? They're, they're just running matching models and algorithms and, and they're taking in what we feed them. And if you feed them a bunch of like garbled mass, your personalization is not going to work. Um, so, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that's part of the reason why we focus on that a lot is, is not only for the human element, but like machines have a harder time with this stuff than humans do. And if you want it to scale and grow, you've got to be really, really consistent and structured with that machine. It's it's like, you know, uh, I've, I've used this analogy before, but like training a puppy, you, you have to be consistent and you have to use the same words. You have to know that how you react and the information you feed it is going to impact what you get out on the other side. Yeah. Well, let's let's stay with data for a second. Um, you, you mentioned a lot of data in that in that last answer. How does data privacy come into play here? Yeah, I mean, there's the obvious answer because it's everything, right? I mean, there's the obvious answer, which is like, you don't want to get sued. Yeah, yeah, that's a plus, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, there's the, the non-obvious answers about um, how do you want to build your customer experience and what do you want customers to think about you and and how do you want them to feel and react to that brand promise? You think you mentioned it earlier, Matt, the times that you met, heard something and then saw an ad for it the next day. And it's like, is that winning you over or is that making you feel creeped out? Creeped out is my answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is is you know, the times in which you've you've switched companies because there's there's been a breach or you've been exposed or um, you felt like they 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 broke that contract with you. Yeah. And there's some really good data out there about the impacts of companies that have have breached their data. But you know, sometimes you just got to think, right? Like, um, how important your brand value and your brand equity is and how important that relationship is with every customer to try to keep that safe. The, the, the privacy piece and trying to keep it safe also leads you to really interesting marketing outcomes. And I, I know this is a little bit of a leap, right? But yeah, when, when we have these conversations with our clients, one of the most frequent things that we find is different parts of their organization have access to different data that they didn't know existed. Yep. And so, you know, that's a privacy risk from a what happens mm -hmm. if that gets exposed and should we be collecting it? But it's also a data governance and usability risk because now I'm, I'm paying to not only store this data, but I don't know what it is. I don't know how it fits within my algorithms. I might be missing a whole part of the experience. I might be missing something in, in how customers are interacting with our content and our brand that, that, that could tell me a whole story that I don't really know where it is. So part of it is just one, yes, don't expose, but two, keeping organized 
is the ability to go and find things and be more efficient when you need yeah. it. Yeah. What's fun of working with our teams that have built out some of the data privacy offerings, to me, a lot of it is it's less about, uh, I mean, obviously it is about privacy and, and holding to the letter and the spirit of the law, but it's also organization. And it's, yeah. it's building out a, a warehouse and a set of structures and a set of tools that help you filter, find, and and be more efficient when you actually need to use and and, and structure data. Yeah, and having like detailed um, data flows, like just just knowing that information is so important. Um, okay, mate, I want to. I like to wrap this these uh, these podcast interviews up um, with the same question, and that is, what is the most important thing you want people to take away from this chat about digital transformation in marketing? Insert joke about Australian here. <laughs> no, you know, so I, I think there's two things that I really want um, people to take away from this. And and one is that um, rugby would be a lot more exciting sport if you wore pads. <laughs> That's a debate for another day. But thank you for bringing that up. Uh, no, I think really the most important thing that I would just like people to think about is Digital transformation is not about a point solution. It's not about a bolt-on. It's not about a piece of technology. Mm -hmm. the, the word transformation is the key word in that phrase. You have to think about the processes, the people, the organizational structure, how you're interacting in order for this stuff to be meaningful in the long run. The most classic example of 2020, Domino's versus Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut went out and bought an online ordering system. Domino's rethought their ordering system and transformed how they took orders and delivered orders. Right. Who won? Neither of them are great pizza. People can argue with me about this all day long. I actually <laughs> think Domino's doesn't. They actually think Domino's is pretty good in a lot of instances. But <laughs> Domino's digitally transformed. Pizza mm -hmm. Hut did not. Why is Domino's up this year and growing their business and, and winning? Because they figured out, you know, the pizza tracker and the order mm. delivery timelines, and they built a brand promise around their digital experience and around that experience and use the technology to enable that. And that's a lot of what we really talk about. But it's it's about the transformation. It's not about the digital. Yeah. And that's a, that's a perfect example and actually a great segue to thank our sponsors, Domino's Pizza, for, <laughs> for now I'm just checking. But, well, listen, Eric, I really appreciate your time. This was very insightful. I really enjoyed the conversation and um, look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks, Matt. You've been listening to Logic 2020's podcast, Digital Now. To learn more, visit our website at logic2020.com or follow us on social media. See you next time.